Alright, hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly... I can't say weekly. We're about to go on a big stretch without events. Mostly weekly. Look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey, I'm your host. Thank you all very much for being here. Uh, on the agenda this evening, not a whole lot. Last night's fight, UFC on ESPN Plus 41 review. Um... Not a whole lot of news, you know, it's, uh, everything's kind of slowing down for a bit. I imagine post-Christmas there'll be some pretty big announcements because the UFC, uh, I'll go over this a little bit uh, on the schedule, but the UFC has a fair number of events coming up in short order, so we've got, and some of those need to be filled out pretty badly. Uh, you know what, yeah, I think that's kind of it, uh. Not the best intro in the world, but, you know what, let's go ahead and jump into that. Last night, UFC on ESPN plus 41. Originally a 15-fight card because the UFC hates their fans. That's just too many. That's just too many. Uh, fortunately, I shouldn't say, in a purely selfish sense, fortunately, three fights fell out due to COVID-related issues, and we got a manageable 12-fight card. I'm, I'm happy we only had 12 fights. Uh, that said, we got, you know, not the worst card in the world to close out the year on. Because, again, this is the last UFC event for 2020. Uh, some highs, some lows. Uh, main event, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson returned from his, you know, year or so layoff to defeat Jeff Neal, returning from his year or so layoff. Be a unanimous decision. 50-45 across all three scorecards. I was 50-45. Um, I think... What was the round that I thought maybe could have gone the other way? Maybe the fourth? There was one round. It was either the fourth or the fifth. I can't remember which. That I thought maybe you could make an argument for Neil, but the rest of them, uh, not so much. Now, that should not lead you to believe that this was a non-competitive fight. Uh... This was competitive. Jeff Neal certainly had moments. He just struggled to string them together in any kind of consistent fashion. A very, very standard Stephen Thompson performance, and I mean that as a compliment. Uh, he was light on his feet, moving in and out. Punches upstairs, downstairs, angles off. Uh, good clinch work. You know, decent variety of kicks. Uh, I'm surprised he got away from the body work. He... Uh, Jeff Neal has been susceptible to bodywork. In fact, one of his few stoppage losses that's occurred more in the regional scene was to middleweight Kevin Holland at middleweight. And part of what uh, started the end there was a lunging sidekick to the body from Holland. Uh, even when he fought Bilal Muhammad, a fight that uh, Jeff Neal won by a fairly handily. I mean, he dropped. He almost finished Bilal Muhammad, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, Muhammad was able to batter him to the body a little bit. I'm just a little. I was a little surprised that Thompson got away from that as the fight wore on, but he did. Stephen Thompson did Stephen Thompson things. Uh, he got hit a few times. They they engaged in some firefights on occasion, which was appreciated as a viewer. Uh, really, really lovely performance from Thompson. Uh, these two clashed heads accidentally in the first round. Both of them got cut. Uh, both by the right eye. Thompson, it was kind of uh, it was. 
near the brow, but uh, it was like it was vertical and kind of by where the brow meets the bridge of your nose. So not great, but not awful. Neil's was like under the eyebrow, kind of on the eyelid. That could have been a fight ender if it had really if it had opened up a whole lot more. That was a pretty bad cut. But Stephen Thompson uh, successfully fends off the rising contender in Jeff Neal. I don't know if uh, I don't know what's next for Thompson. He called out Jorge Masvidal. Uh, he's already beaten Jorge Masvidal and realistically would again. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked if Masvidal beat him in a rematch, but that's a bad style matchup for. Uh, <laughs> that's just a bad style matchup for Jorge. Uh, so. I'm not again. I'm not sure exactly what Stephen Thompson's gonna have next, but he wants to make another run at the belt. So he's got to be looking, you know, above himself in the rankings. Uh, he seemed to have tweaked his knee, his right knee, during the course of this fight. As, like at the end of the fourth, he kind of slipped on a spinning attack at some point in the fourth round, and then caught a knee to the lower quad, like right above your knee, uh, right at the end of the round, and his right knee seemed, right leg seemed to be a little bit tweaked. We, we haven't had a specific injury update on that, but uh, if he's not going to have to be out for a prolonged period of time, there's plenty of good fights you can make with him. I would be very interested to see him, you know, uh, against some of the top of the division. You know, the guy's almost 38, I think, or he is 38. Double check. Uh, he's 37. He will be 38 in February, so yeah, almost 38. And looks great. Still fights very, very well, so kudos. I, I don't know if he'll actually be able to make a run at the belt. The top end of welterweight right now is a number of guys who are really tough matchups for him from a stylistic perspective. But if he can put enough wins together... Yeah, uh... <sighs> You know, Thompson might have had a rough run lately, but if you look at the fights, if you look at his last couple of fights, the draw with Tyron Woodley, the majority decision loss to Woodley, both of those title fights, I thought he won the second one, to be candid. Uh, beats Jorge Masvidal, loses a unanimous decision to Darren Till, again, I thought he won. And was beating Anthony Pettis pretty badly before Pettis uh, scored the Superman punch knockout. Then he stops two rising guys in Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal. Stephen Thompson has no one to play around with. He's he's still very much a legitimate player. Uh, as for Neal, again, sucks. This is his first loss in the UFC, but uh, he still showed a lot of competency, showed off you know some of his power. He's uh, just kind of a learning experience for him here. Hopefully, I say hopefully because I'd like him to. You know, I like him. I hope he sticks around. Uh, Anthony Pettis, who also fought on this card, said he was going back to lightweight. So that seems unlikely. Let's see, so ranked above Vicente, ranked above Jeff Neal right now. Vicente Luque, Neil Magny, Michael Chiesa, Damian Maya, Woodley. I mean, realistically, you could do any of those. Uh, him and Luque would be a lot of fun. Have they fought already? I don't think so, because Luke had that really long winning streak. Uh, no, they haven't. Yeah, put him. I know Luke. Luke has a fight coming up, I think. But assuming he wins, put the two of them together. That'd be a lot of fun. A lot of fun indeed. 
okay, that was your main event. Good fight. Really good fight. Kind of surprised it didn't get fight of the night, but Thompson got a performance of the night for it, so... Uh, co-main event, Jose Aldo defeats Marlon Vera via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. I was 30-27 Aldo. The second round uh, probably was Vera's. Again, I was 30-27, but the second round, very, very close. Aldo has a good first round, lands a couple of leg kicks. He's ripping Marlon Vera to the body. Aldo's left hook to the liver is a thing of brutal beauty. Uh... Most of Vera's offense in that round was a lot of, like, uh, oblique kicks or side kicks to the knee, which is are good range managers, especially against someone like Aldo, who kind of likes to either put a lot of weight on his front leg when he kicks or, uh, you know, kind of lunge into close distance. But as he stopped lunging and as he started, you know, just kind of uh, walking in, they lost a lot of their impact. Uh, second round, Aldo dials it back a little bit. Vera kind of turns it up again. I still thought Aldo won the second, but... Fair play if you gave it to Vera. I don't think that's wrong. Third round, uh, Vera charges at Aldo. Aldo slips around behind him, back body lock, trips him down, gets his back, and stays on his back for the rest of the round. Wins the fight. Much needed win for Jose Aldo, who's on a three-fight losing streak. A uh, couple of those. Uh, the, the Yawn one, I mean, the Yawn fight is competitive throughout about Two and a half rounds. Uh, it's a really great fight. In fact, it's one of my fights of the year. It's somewhere on the list. I don't know where it'll wind up, but it's on the short list. So it'll probably be in the top five. But Jan just kind of keeps breaking him down as the fight goes on, and the finishing sequence was pretty brutal. Uh, Volkanovski just completely disarmed him. Still one of the... People don't appreciate that fight. Uh, I've got an entire you know, podcast out on it called How... I think it's like Deep Dive, How Volkanovski Beat Jose Aldo. Uh, a lot of people don't understand how awesome that performance is from Volkanovski to completely disarm a, an offensive machine like Jose Aldo like that. Uh, when I say offensive, I don't mean aggressive, but Aldo's offense, whether that's on the counter or coming forward has always been dynamite. And completely taking that away from him was a real thing of beauty. Anyway, Aldo gets back on the winning side of things. Called out TJ Dillashaw after the fight, and you know what? I'm down. I am down for that fight. Dillashaw will be coming off of his drug-related suspension after he got caught uh, injecting EPO. So he's going to need to kind of get back on the horse. Uh, Aldo still has plenty of fight left in the tank. Again, I you could do a lot worse than that fight for Dillashaw's return. Either man could win that fight. Winner could real could potentially lay claim to a title fight. Uh, unless I shouldn't say unless you're Aldo. If Aldo beats Dillashaw, uh, he might still need one more, assuming Jan is still champion. If Sterling beats Jan... And Aldo beats Dillashaw. Uh, you still got Sandhagen out there. The, 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 that would be ideal for Aldo if he wants to fight for the belt again, given that Sandhagen uh, has that really quick loss to Sterling. But, I mean, the top of bantamweight, man, uh, you got a hard time going wrong. There are some really great fighters there. Uh, yeah, some really great fighters at bantamweight. Uh, so, Vera, 
Setback, his first loss at Bantamweight since he fought Douglas Silva de Andrade a few years ago. What about Silva Andrade fight? Uh, yeah, 2018, February of 18, so almost three years. Uh, I expect Vera will bounce back just fine, though. Uh, he certainly didn't look out of place here. But solid co-main event. Uh, let's see, Michelle Pereja defeated Chaos Williams, a unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. Uh, weird fight, I suppose is the best way to describe that. Uh, I scored it for Perea, but I think I had the rounds different from other people. Um, I I think I gave like I because one and two I think I had one and two reversed from what other people had them. Uh, but either way, Williams power puncher, just not quite as technically sound as you want to be, and. He just kind of got drowned out in the constant movement and volume that Perea threw at him. Uh, not, again, not a bad fight. Odd, but an enjoyably an enjoyable kind of odd, I think. Uh, Rob Font, this one, man, defeats Marlon, Ver uh, Marlon Marais via TKO 347 of the first. Uh, big win for Font. Font has had a couple of chances before to take that step up to the top level of bantamweight, and he's fallen short. He came up short against both Rafael Asensau and John Lineker. Uh, I want to confirm that, and I clicked on the wrong fighter page. Uh, the Pedro Munoz as well. Munoz submitted him. So he's he's put together some good wins in the past, but again, that that top top shelf has always kind of turned him back. Not so much now. He overcame an early takedown, and he and Marais both threw heat at each other. Marais cracked him a couple of times. The problem with for Marais was he wasn't throwing in combination, and he wasn't really moving his head. That let Font just kind of find his head repeatedly, and Font is a very smooth, very technical puncher. Uh, I shouldn't say striker overall. He just does a lot of his work with his fists. And he clipped Marais a couple of times, sat him down with a jab, dropped him with an uppercut. Some people thought the stoppage was a little bit late. Um, I think you can you can make the argument, but at the same time, if you watch Vera, he while he is clearly hurt, he's also like actively trying to uh, he's actively trying to fight off Font for a little bit. So I I I suppose I was a little more forgiving of the referee in this case than a lot of other people were, but. Uh, great win for Font. Puts him, because Marais was, I think, what, three coming into this? Yeah. Uh, Font was 11. So he's going to shoot up the rankings. Uh, yeah, Font's, Font's a player. He's always been really good, but the man is a legitimate player in that division right now. So good for him. Tough, uh, tough series of losses for Marais here. Had a really good streak coming into the UFC. Dropped a split decision in his UFC debut that I thought he won. I think most people thought he won. Goes on a tear. Well, I shouldn't say. He beats John Dodson via split decision. I didn't think it was split. Then in short order, knocks out Aljamain Sterling. Knocks out Jimmy Rivera. Submits Austin Sow in a rematch. Gets his title shot. Turns in a great first round against Henry Cejudo. Wherein Cejudo has just nothing. Marais just kind of chews him up with kicks from the outside. 
But then, getting into the second round, Cejudo stops adopting his karate style, stands a little bit more square, pushes into him, wears him down. He rebounds, beating Jose Aldo via split decision. I thought Moraes won that fight, but certainly a very, very close fight. Then he gets finished by Sandhag, and now he gets finished by Font. Uh, I don't know what he needs to kind of switch things up, but it feels like he's been figured out. And that's not a good place to be at a, in a division like Bantamweight. I mean, the man's also had 32 fights. He's been a pro for 13 years, almost. Uh, but he's got to figure out why people are beating him, because uh, two finishes in a row, fairly close together. Uh, I mean, and I mean close in time. Uh, the Sandhagen finish came 103 of the second fonts, 347 to the first. Uh, he needs to switch things up, I think. I don't know what, but he's been kind of figured out. He's got to switch things up. And kicking off the main card, Marcin Tabora defeats Greg Hardy via TKO, 431 of the second. Uh, Crit... <sighs> I'm going to say this, and I hope you all just kind of go with me here. I'm going to give Greg Hardy credit. He looked really solid in the first round. His punch selection was good. He had fast hands. Uh, he cracked Tabor a few times. Just not a very well-rounded fighter, I think, even by his own admission. Tabora drops the round, but perseveres, gets through it. Second round, Hardy's a little bit slower. Tabora beats him up. Uh, sort of. They, they trade a little bit. The big the big problem for Greg Hardy came when Tabora got him down. Got into half card, and Greg Hardy had no idea what to do in that position. He gave up the posture. Uh, he, he let Tabora posture up very, very easily. Wasn't trying to knee shield, wasn't trying to regard, wasn't trying to get feet on the hips and off balance, and just kind of let Tabora rain down punches and hammer fists until the ref waved it off. Uh, Hardy was technically the favorite coming into this, and I have to question the wisdom of any betting agency making Greg Hardy a favorite against any fighter who knows what they're doing. I said this last week, Marcin Tabora may not be top of the chi you know, top of the food chain at heavyweight, but he doesn't lose to just anybody. So, Tabora gets a win... Uh, wasn't a good fight. As for the prelims, Anthony Pettis defeated Alex Morono via unanimous decision, 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. Mine as well. Good first round for Pettis, just kind of doing Pettis' thing. Second round, not as much. Uh, third round was going Morono's way, and then kind of towards the end of it, Pettis clips him with a wheel kick that wobbles him, drops him. Doesn't get the finish, but Pettis definitively ends the round, wins the you know, wins the fight. Uh, afterwards, says he's going back to 155. He wants to fight for that title again. Uh, God bless him if he wants to try. Pettis is, he might only be 33. He's actually younger than I am. But the man's had 34 fights. He's been fighting since 2007, and he's had a lot of injuries. I don't know how he does at uh, against the uh, you know the top of lightweight, but like I said, if he wants to try, uh, you know, who could blame him for wanting to try? Uh, I yeah again I don't especially like his chances, but hey, 
You know, lightweight has the UFC lightweight division has never had a two-time lightweight champion. Uh, every fighter who's ever won it uh, has, if they've lost it, well, they've all lost it to one degree or another. When they after they've lost it, they haven't been able to get it back. Uh, Sean Shirk was stripped of it, then couldn't get it back. BJ held it for a while, dropped it to Frankie, couldn't get it back. Frankie dropped it to Benson Henderson. Arguably should have won it back in their rematch, but didn't. Benson had it for a bit, dropped it to Pettis. Pettis dropped it to RDA, who dropped it to Alvarez, who dropped it to McGregor, who was stripped of it and and, essentially dropped it to Khabib. And Khabib is still currently the UFC lightweight champion as we uh, record this. So, yeah. Yeah. Never been a two-time lightweight champion in the UFC. Tough division, man. Tough, tough division. But if Pettis wants to make a run of it, it is his health that he's risking. Uh, women's bantamweight fight. Panny Kianzad defeated Sajara Eubanks for unanimous decision. 329-28. Good first round for Eubanks, but after that, she kind of gassed. She does that a little bit. Her, her style is very labor-intensive, it seems. Especially when she grapples, she's very, very tense. So she kind of wears down a little bit. Uh, Kianzad found out that if she used the clinch as kind of an end unto itself, rather than a transition move for takedowns, she could she could win there. She could build frames with her arms pretty easily to kind of get distance where she wants it, keep Eubanks from being able to transition for uh, you know, for takedown attempts or whatnot, beat her up with knees and elbows, and then on the feet at distance, Kianzad a just much better striker than Eubanks. Uh, Duran Wynn defeated Antonio Ahoyo via unanimous decision, 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. Ahoyo had a good first round. Uh, then he stopped being able to really get up after Wynn took him down, rinse and repeat. This fight sucked. Uh, you know, the UFC has a lot of roster cuts coming. You could cut both of these guys. And that doesn't mean they couldn't get back. But right now, I don't think either of them should be in the UFC. Um, bit of an upset, I suppose. I think if you went by the odds, Tyler Santos defeated Jillian Robertson via unanimous decision, two thirty twenty sixes and one twenty nine twenty eight. I take umbrage with twenty nine twenty eight. Not that you couldn't have given Robertson uh, the first round. I think I scored the first round even. I scored it ten ten. There's an argument for her taking the first, not so much the other two. And I didn't give Robertson a ten eight. I think it was third, but you easily could have. Uh, excuse me, Santos. Uh, Robertson is a little bit too happy to play off of her back. And Santos, once she realized that, was able to kind of get her there, avoid the occasional submission attempt, and just beat her up. Uh, Tyla Santos only has one loss in her entire career. I believe it was her UFC debut. Uh, yeah, and it was a split decision that, again, you could easily argue she won. Uh, Santos is pretty legit. She's going to be... She might very well be a player at flyweight. Middleweight fight. Tafan and Shukwe defeated Jamie Pickett for unanimous decision. 30-25 and then two 30-26s. Uh, I don't have a whole lot here. Shukwe, very, very bricked up middleweight. That man is... His torso is... Torso and shoulders and, you know, back. Thick. Power puncher. Uh, just kept Pickett backing up the whole fight. Uh, Pickett had moments of success, but he never strung anything together. 
Uh, let's see. Jimmy Flick defeated Co uh, Cody Durden via flying triangle choke, 18 of the first. This was a thing of beauty. Uh, you can find the clip of it on the UFC's Facebook page or Twitter and whatnot. Nice finish from Jimmy Flick. Fun little flyweight fight. And kicking everything off, Christos Yagos defeated Carlton Minus via unanimous decision. 30-26, 29-27, and 29-28. Uh, I think I was... I was either 30... I was. I believe I was 29-27 off the top of my head. I'm not looking at my report. Uh, not giving Yagos a 10-8, I think, first round. Uh, just seems like a horrible error on the part of that judge. Minus just has a real weakness when it comes to his takedown defense and his ability to regain his feet after being taken down. And that's a pretty big liability to have in the UFC. Uh, anyway, that was the event. You've seen ESPN Plus 41. A uh, lot of decisions. A lot of decisions. But some of those were good fights. Some of, them, some of them were not, but some of them were good. So, not the, not the worst card to go out on. And, you know, the main card in particular... Uh, Really solid set of five fights there. No real complaints for me personally about that. Uh, okay, so let's talk briefly about the schedule here because this is, the, again, last event of 2020. The UFC will be off until January uh, excuse me, 16th. Uh, they will be back for uh, fight night. So the UFC and ESPN plus 42. This is the Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater card. Great fight. Uh, the rest of the card, there's some good stuff here. Ricky Simone and Brian Kelleher. Tim Elliott and Jordan Espinoza, that should be good. Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio is supposed to be fighting, but his his original opponent, Muslim Salikov, got pulled for COVID reasons, I think. Yeah, that was COVID. Uh, that was uh, announced recently, so in theory he'll be fighting there if they can find him a replacement opponent. There's enough time they should. So there's that. Now, the big thing about this, about the UFC's schedule starting 2021, they're going to have three events that week. Um, so on the 16th, so that's Saturday. Then on the 20th, uh, that should be a Wednesday? Double check that real fast. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, there's a fight night, and then the 23rd is Poirier-McGregor 2, so that's UFC 257. Uh, that Wednesday card, uh, we don't really have, uh, I don't think we have a main event for this yet. We only have a handful of fights listed here. We have a featherweight bout between Douglas Silva, De Andrade, and Lerone Murphy, Francisco Figueredo and Jerome Rivera, Roxanne Modafferi and Viviani Araujo, and Matt Schnell versus Tyson Nam. Schnell and Nam is a good fight, by the way. That's a pretty darn good fight. But that's not a full card. So, again, I assume in the next little bit that card will get fleshed out. And then the 23rd, of course, Poirier-McGregor 2. Uh, I don't know if this has been said before, but I'm going to say it here. That is kind of a one-fight card. Uh, that's Poirier versus McGregor. Everything else is uh, just kind of okay. Let me look at this for a second here. Um... Jessica I and Joanne Calderwood, meh. Khalil Roundtree and Marcin Pracnio, meh. Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Hibos. That's not bad. Uh, Brad Tavares and Antonio Carlos Jr. 
again, not bad, but don't know if anyone's going to be too excited about that. Matt Frivola and Otman Isatar. That's a pretty solid fight. Uh, Shane Burgos and Akeem Dawadu. That's pretty good. That's a that's an action fight. That is an action fight. Uh, my point about that: if something happens to Poirier or McGregor, there is they're going to have to find a replacement fighter for the remaining guy, because there is nothing else on this card that you could slot into the main event of a pay-per-view. I mean, I'm not. Uh, look, I like that this fight is non-title. Whether that stays non-title or not remains to be seen, but I, I, but I don't think you need a title fight on every pay-per-view. I think there are big enough fights to main event a pay-per-view without it. This is certainly one of them. But if something happens to that fight, you don't have a fallback fight uh, at the mo at the moment. They might have someone on standby. They might I don't know pay Michael Chandler to weigh in as an alternate again. Uh, but right now, uh, we don't. I don't even think we have an announced co-main event. So, if something happens to Poirier or McGregor, uh, there's going to be some scrambling because absent though, absent that fight, this is not a card worth your sixty bucks. It's just not. I'm look. I'm not here to shill for the UFC. I'm here to call it like I see it. And that's how I see this one. So we're going to have, again, big three-fight stretch to kick off 21, uh, starting on the 16th. And then I think it's mostly back to the once-a-week thing, as far as we have currently announced. Yeah, as far as we have currently announced. Assuming nothing crazy happens between now and then, but, you know. That's not a safe assumption these days, is it? Uh, just somewhat unrelated, I'm completely waiting for 2021 to beat to do the hold my beer thing to 2020 and for 21 to be just worse in every possible way. I I, I think that's coming. I kind of think that's what's on the horizon. Uh, yeah, so, as far as the schedule goes for that, uh, that means this show will be back. Let's see. I might do one next week for a... No, you know what? I don't think I will. I think I'm going to take the time off from the show proper. If I do something else... It'll be either a, a fighter study, a, something like that. But I think I'm going to take this off. So we'll be back on the 10th of January to preview. And then the 17th will be a double, will be a review, double preview. Yeah, that's how that's going to work. Okay. So that's kind of what's on the schedule here for that. Uh, only bit of news I have here. It's kind of short. Uh, the UFC came out this last week and said that Rose, well, Dana White said Rose Namajunas didn't want the title fight, so now he's looking at Carla Esparza. Rose Namajunas and her camp dispute this claim. Um, look, if Rose wants the fight, she is the number one contender. If the UFC wants to give Weili Zhang a softer fight after the absolute war that she and Ioana had, I don't even necessarily hate that. Right? I... I'm not the biggest advocate for champions in particular getting soft touches, but uh, again, I don't hate it. I just I'll just put it like that. Uh, again, that said, Rose is the number one contender. It should be her next by all rights. If really, I think what happened, and this is probably the truth of it, 
when, most of the time when Dana says so-and-so doesn't want the fight, uh, that tends to mean the UFC offered them the fight. But when they do, they do it with a couple of different ways. They offer opponent, date, and purse, right? You get those three things. Date and venue usually go together there. And the opponent. If any three of those don't line up and someone turns down the fight, sometimes for incredibly reasonable you know, reasons, uh, the the party line coming out of the UFC becomes so-and-so doesn't want the fight. So you know, if they offered Rose the, the fight with Zhang for, let's say, I'm pulling this out of my, uh, this is purely example, right? I, I don't know anything. Say for UFC 258, February 13th, pay-per-view. And to do it at a specific you know, venue, and here's your purse, and Rose and her camp said, either took issue with the timing, the venue, or the money, any of which can be reasonably disputed, and the UFC then immediately will be, no, they don't want the title fight. So, I don't buy it when he says that Rose doesn't want the title fight, especially when she and her camp come out and say, you know, almost immediately thereafter, yeah, we do. Uh, I don't know that the UFC is trying to protect Zhang. I, I find that to be a very dubious proposition. But uh, she and Yoana, that war, man. If either of them wants to get a slightly softer touch or lobby on their own behalf for something that isn't a brutal, a potentially brutal fight on their return, who could blame them? And Esparza is nowhere near as dangerous an opponent as Rose Namajunas is. That's, I don't think that's up for debate. But there's currently some, you know, uh, public negotiation going on in that space. We'll have to see what happens as far as that go uh, as far as that plays out as it plays out. Again, that's kind of the only news I really had here, so let me refresh Twitter, see if anything crazy happened, and then we'll get out of here. Right, nope, doesn't look like anything MMA-related is broken, so let's go ahead and get into plugs. Uh, ah, sorry. Uh, I did a alternate commentary watch-along doohickey with Mark Radulich for the boxing event last night. Uh, the, uh, this was Vissal Canelo Alvarez versus uh, Callum Smith. So, Mark and I got together, we joked, we talked about the fight, uh, we you know, did the watch-along stuff, the fight companion. If you're interested, give it a listen, we, uh, you know, you know what you're getting into when you listen to us talk about stuff like that, so, feel free to do so. Uh, this Tuesday, Damn You Hollywood is back, because the, the, uh, the Monster Hunter movie was released into theaters. Uh, I think it's also, the... That might have been a simultaneous online release. I don't know. Uh, either way, I'm, I am I plan on seeing it in the theater so long as my local theaters stay open, and I believe they will, and nothing bad happens to me health-wise, which is not a given, given the state of... I want to go into my personal life, but my I've, uh, I've got some uh, mouth teeth problems. A lot of pain at the moment. Uh, it's just pain. I don't think there's anything really wrong, but if you've ever had dental pain, that sucks. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's just the worst. So, uh, assuming that doesn't, you know, deteriorate into something je you know, really bad, there will be a Damn You Hollywood with Mark and myself talking about Monster Hunter on Tuesday. 
post-Christmas, we'll have reviews on Damn You Hollywood for both Pixar's Soul, which will be which is released on Disney Plus, and Wonder Woman 1984, which will be simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max. Uh, yeah. So be on the lookout for those coming forward. Uh, that's kind of what I've got on the immediate schedule, and then I'll update you all next time we happen to do this. So thank you all very much. I deeply appreciate the support, the listens. Like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a stranger. I <laughs> I appreciate it all. Uh, thank you all again. Last one of these for 2020. So let's all say goodbye to this year. And what a fairly miserable experience it's been. Uh, again, I hope to see you all in 21. Until then, however you celebrate the end of the year, Hanukkah, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everyone. Please stay safe out there. It's that time of year, especially if you live in a place where the roads get icy. Stay safe and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.